chew is my least favorite noise. You know, it's funny. I was actually just talking about it the other day. It seems like if you break down, it's probably better for us as humans if we did chew with our mouth open. Like if we all were just like. I don't know that. I have no yeah. idea. I think it just seems. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the Junkyard Love podcast. To start things off, Spencer and I are just going to, for five minutes, make ASMR sounds into the microphone. Okay, I'm down with it already. Uh, uh, ASMR is, so do you know what that stands for? It's the, they put it in the meditation category, but that seems unfair. Yeah, it's like audio, I don't know the other three words, but it's disgusting noises. Yeah, it's, um, I think it, is it, I don't know, essentially they, you wear headphones and someone has a recording of them doing a bunch of like very whatever. I don't think it's a sexual thing, is it? Well, I think you it, do it is 50-50. Oh. If, if you get on YouTube, a lot of them get banned for being overly sexual. Like, there's a hard implication that this is definitely sexually charged. Oh, man, that would be super uncomfortable, though. Yeah, that you get some very attractive woman in scantily clad clothing just whispering. And what, what about the people who listen to that stuff? Do you think people listen to it, like, driving on the freeway? <laughs> like, people listen to a podcast. It's not just on headphones, though. It's, it's in their car. Like, it's through all their speakers. You just I'm sure someone. someone does that, dude. That's a definitely not good... I would say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I don't like that. <laughs> okay, wait, but we may need to learn more about it because there, there must be sure it's a something that people have done to monetize the sexual side of it. But I, there's got to be people who really like have never felt the touch of another person, or they don't know like the, I don't know. There's got to be something there that people are benefiting from with yes. ASMR. Well, it's stuff. supposed to give you the tinglies, like you know, when you get the chills. Like, that's what it's for. It's supposed to make you feel like it that. It does that to me, but it's the uncomfortable chills. Oh. It's like if I was at a urinal and some dude was like, hey, man, and put his hand on my shoulder. Hey. It's That's that's what it gives me. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm not a fan. Anyway, so maybe next time we'll try the ASMR thing. I only got a couple seconds in. No, thank you. <laughs> so Spencer is a professional um, ASMR teacher. Um, he, he runs a YouTube account called asmrspencer.com mm -hmm. it's also his website.com <laughs> um all right cool spencer and i uh, are here again spencer if you'll notice this is the third episode that actually this is the fourth episode but the third that listeners will hear because one of them was but but uh we, we did a but um so spencer and i you know our conversations always seem to peer into something that we're both very interested in a lot of our subject matter seems to be like we're both on the same page with it um we're able to have different opinions a lot of times but we're able to have conversation with them but frankly we have a lot of the same opinions so i think that the the usefulness there is being able to communicate those ideas clearly um and then also you know something i was talking to spencer about is his demeanor and his his ability to have conversation his um good-heartedness these things open up a lot more types of conversations with different types of people. So we were talking about, um, you know, having difficult conversations with people who are completely difficult with you or, or, or d different than you. So, um, you know, you can't really have a religious conversation with someone who's a different religion than you um, in, in a really like ill man or in a non ill mannered way. I mean, imagine if you're listening to a podcast and it's two people of different religions you'd probably be willing to bet that nowadays it's probably going to be a terrible thing to listen to because it's like a debate instead of a, a conversation. But so, so I want, so Spencer will be on here often to, I, I guess, hope 
hopefully teach conversation and teach how things are going to go here and how we can have different types of people interacting and how different types of people can have these difficult conversation, these interesting conversations, um, difference of opinion. Uh, that's something that I think that our world is kind of let, let fade away, let float away is like, just cause you know, one bad thing about person or, or a person is just cause you have a difference with them just cause there's different beliefs that you both have you we we accidentally hold on to these things and then we don't let ourselves progress forward and even have a conversation so it's like oh there's one thing about you that i don't believe so we're not even going to talk about it so anyway just diving into the depths of conversation um exploring topics you know philosophy psychology um things that we that we're very much into obviously health nutrition fitness stuff like that um and then really whatever comes along um a few so anyway spencer will be on here quite often if you enjoy our content um if there's if you start to get a grasp for the type of things that we enjoy talking about um if you head over to my youtube and just like comment like hey talk about um like the origins of the tooth fairy or talk about like what is fear and what is fight or flight or you know whatever you want want us to talk about that's relevant so anyway um spencer welcome buddy um good to see you good to see you it's, it's getting nice uh you know something habitual things doing things over and over we're starting to do these once a week at least have the conversations whether we've recorded them or not and it has been nice you know i'm a very secluded person usually i've been slowly trying to like hang out with more people but just the consistency of like knowing that like monday night we're going to text each other and be like hey man what's been on your mind this week um what what do we kind of want to get into tomorrow so it's a nice habitual thing i kind of like to pretend that we're going to be old 80 year old men one of these days meeting at a coffee shop once a week to, to talk about the books that we've read over the weekend you know so you know, it's, it's fun man I, I appreciate your friendship i appreciate you as well and i can't wait to be an old man and not have anything to do but think fuck yeah what is the difference between us and an old man really like like their their view on life is so different yeah old old people like we slowly just get more rigid and I feel like if you don't flex this muscle, like a lot of old people don't do this mm-hmm. at all. Like you, I like to romanticize being old and just doing philosophy and hanging out and saying words. Right. But I really hope that I don't get to the point where I'm so rigid in how I feel because I've reinforced it for so long that I just don't get to do that anymore. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, if you decide exactly who you are at a young age, you're like, well, this is exactly who I am forever. You don't get to explore anything cool for the rest of your life. Right? No, oh, how boring is that? It seems kind of boring. It does. <laughs> I like the, um, I, I get my hair cut down the road uh, from the barbershop. I've gotten cut there twice now. And just the conversations with them, a couple older gentlemen, um, their view on life. I mean, e- even outside of them being older gentlemen at all, just as human beings, their view on life is, is very wonderful. I just find myself wanting, um, I just don't want to talk. I just want to listen to what they have to say. Um, and I think that a lot of our generation, and especially right now, um, we're kind of like relearning what what they've known like like what the older people are like hey slow down enjoy your life look around you like you don't have to like escape with all this technology you don't have to do all this intricate new new entertainment stuff it seems like a lot of times older people can slow down and enjoy the world but either way um you know it's funny because we talk about old people in that sense now it's just like one little genre of human beings Mm -hmm. but last podcast i think we talked about old people in a completely different way like we were referencing the boomer thing right it's a silly way to to converse with people like the the wizened old person Mm -hmm. like somebody that has taken all their knowledge and applied it and it's just like this nice 
gentle old person who's just trying to help others. Right, right. That's awesome. We love those old yes. people. It's the people that haven't challenged any of their beliefs since 17 and just have lived this complete rigid, I do the same thing everyday life. Right, yeah, and they don't, you know, and that's the thing is if you have beliefs that you feel strongly about, Those I mean, you, you don't have to sit there and defend your beliefs against other people, but I think that researching and, and learning about your things, like like if you reference the entire ref of rest of your life off of one documentary you saw on Netflix when you were 11, you know, like maybe that's going to send your trajectory down a path and you're going to like avidly learn all these things of what that sent you down. But like just having the one documentary and saying this is final truth and anybody who argues with this truth, I'm going to yell at or whatever. You got to just keep following knowledge because a lot of the times if you're not following knowledge, you're not questioning anything. If you're not questioning anything, <laughs> you're just not growing at all. Yeah. And I guess it is the old people or people that have had a very fixed mindset their whole life are incredibly sour old fellows. Mm, right, right. But if people have decided that they're going to question all their beliefs, especially the ones they hold to be the most true, which are the ones you need to question, and they continue to do that forever, they will probably be very excellent old people. Right. I don't know. I, I think it's hard because, you know, we can't just be like, you know, addressing again, old people it just seems silly to even say these words, old people, but uh, saying that, that what they think is wrong just because they haven't explored anything else. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure we're, ne we're never doing that. Like, but again, just being able to have differences in beliefs and differences of like, in, in understanding that we have differences is super important. And I think that a lot of that gets lost by the wayside because there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of wonderful teachings that a lot of older people have um, that are getting lost by young people just shutting down and not listening. So like, um, you know, me, you and I, for example, we enjoy learning in depth about religion and, and, and philosophy and these things, but not a lot of people do. So like, for example, let's say a grandfather's talking to his grandson and he's talking about, um, um, he's trying to teach him overall what he's trying to do is he's trying to teach them a moral he's trying to teach him a value he's trying to teach him you know how to be a good a good man when he grows up but he's doing it through this feel of religion so this the bible says this and the in whatever whatever religion that you're talking to them about mm -hmm. it the, the young person nowadays is, is i'm not going to use this word correctly but smart enough to know that there's there's other people have questioned that you know maybe they've seen other things on the internet their friends have different religious beliefs everything's also mixed now there's so much that we can know that the meaning of what the old person is trying to teach their grandkid is being completely lost because it's through this message this boat of religion of of something that the young kid doesn't understand and we don't allow ourselves to listen to each other well enough in this culture to let to really say like, okay, so you said these exact words. I know what you actually mean, so I'm going to talk to you about that. But what we're actually saying, or what, what's happening is they're saying something where like, I don't agree with the words that you're saying. We're not trying to understand like, what does he mean? Um, and, but um, but that is difficult, a young person versus an old person. A younger person doesn't understand that this, they may not be talking about everything so metaphysical. That may have been super confusing. I apologize, but... Well, just to... the lens that they are speaking to you is inherently shutting you down from even listening to them because it's at face value it is something that you reject or at least I personally reject to such a hard degree that it's just like an automatic shutdown. It's like when you are attacking people's beliefs and they just completely shut down, double down. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be the same thing. 
So if they took that same lesson and just put a different lens on it, and it wasn't under the guise of something that you would disagree with mm -hmm. as like a truth, you're probably going to get a lot more out of it. And if you can right. like look at these people and what they're trying to tell you and just kind of take like an overhead view of what they're saying to you rather than at right, face value, right. extrapolate what they're trying to say, yeah. and then maybe apply that, or at least decide that I see your reason, but I don't believe that. And then that reinforces you where you're at. So mm -hmm. even if you disagree it's helpful. If people are saying stuff that they believe that you definitely don't think is true, it at least gives you more data on why you think what you think is true. Right, exactly. Do you think that we've accidentally trained ourselves to, I keep saying that too, accidentally trained ourselves to argue instantly against things that we don't instantly agree with? So like when they're presented with us, we don't even realize what we're doing, but we're just talking and already arguing before we stop and think like, oh, this is a person's opinion. What they said sounds like this, but hmm, I know them. This is their background. Here's their, let's look at the situation. What they probably meant was this. When you when we're just in this reactive state, which our whole society is in, not our whole society, is in, it's, it's not allowing us to stop and be like, okay, this is what this person means. So what I'm getting at is young, old, just different type of people are not being able to have conversations because we're not being able to listen to and say, this is what you meant, not here's what I heard from my inter interpretation. Um, we need to be able to say, okay, maybe I misunderstood you. Is this what you kind of said? Um, I think just the, the explanation of that, we were talking about conversations and going meta on conversations. I think that's a lot of the, what the important thing is that you and I are trying to make sure is clear too is, is how to have conversations. It's something that I'm like relearning how to do, something that you don't realize it, but someone letting you talk for three hours is something that hasn't happened, uh, I don't know, ever in anyone's fucking life. So I get talking and it's like, oh, I have these intricate, intricate, you know, things to say. And, and I actually meant this. But if someone had cut me off two minutes ago or in two minutes of what I'm saying, it's going to get construed. So I think just unwrapping, understanding each other for sure. I think it's hard because there's a you just we don't use the same language either like words don't mean the same things for us and elder folk mm -hmm. and they're what they hold true in the world is not what we hold true in the world so it's almost like we're it's like an alien concept to be what they are so it's very hard to empathize with them because it's just so mm -hmm. ludicrous to me that these people hold these beliefs so you're already starting out from an extremely disadvantaged point because you got to like weave through all of this and try to f get something out of it. And then a lot of times people that hold really strong beliefs that they've had for a really long time just don't have a lot of nuance to them and there's not a lot of extrapolation to be done because this mm -hmm. is so incredibly true to them. So they'll say a punchy statement and they're not going to explain it because that's the truth to them. They've never had to explain it. Why would they? Because this is true. Right. That's what the that's what the news has taught. You know, it's it's kind of a way of thinking. Now, the the news has taught. You don't have to know that much to have this point and end all end all other arguments. Like nobody can argue it if you just say the sentence. And that's the news kind of accidentally teaches that too. We have a lot of people that are caught in that. I think the news is a very low ego thing that happens. The yeah. news cycle really just keeps you away from like finding yeah. who you are and your true self because it just keeps pulling you back into all this bullshit. Right. Pulling I mean, you back, pulling you back. Everybody has news, though. I mean, everybody has a different variation of news or a version of news. Um, 
but I think that like with the unit, I'd say we're on the same page. The news we're talking about is let's say the uh, on TV, like main, you, mainstream news, mainstream news, yes. right? Yeah, the, the main things that people are developing. It's crazy to see how news has it's changed. Like not that I'm some I've been watching news forever. You know, news has never super been my thing, but uh, I don't know. I just think I was thinking about nine eleven. Uh, think about the news that day, right? Like nobody was probably really watching the news. There's probably a select amount of people. Like, and I don't know for sure, but there's probably a select amount of people who were watching the morning news that they normally do, but not nearly even half as many as like these. We didn't know about threats so much. Mm-hmm. And then 9-11 happens. I remember like, I guess I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I was so young. Um, I can imagine that like waking up the morning was was very different. Like, oh, 9-11 is on the news. Now I can't imagine what catastrophic event would really feel like that? Now, I feel like every day we wake up with breaking news. We wake up with, oh, there's another school shooting. And then there's also this thing where we're like, we need to not talk about school shootings so it's not a popular thing, so we're not talking about them anymore. It's it's weird. I, I wonder, like, the, the, the difference between the 9-11 example is just a, a moment in time. So back then to now, what do you think the the repercussions of the changing news will be for the future i mean the news is different and weird now i think the problem is like we're so desensitized to big stuff because the world's so bad and there's been such a big paradigm shift in how we view news and how the news gets to us because of the financial incentive and the traditional news is just dying because it's just not nobody likes it it's just shit so they got to be more and they got to be more and more outrage more and more divisiveness and the the monetary aspect behind this has kind of ruined all these things and it's actually not allowed us to even feel strongly about any of these travesties that happen and i would love it if it died off because these things are extremely important when they happen and we need to take hard note but when you have a new cycle in two days like when this this story of like a shooting or a tragedy goes on and in three days it's something else Mm -hmm. we just are so inundated with not actually feeling the pain of that or the gravity of the situation that it is overwhelming. It's too much information. Yeah, it, it's a, that's exactly right. It's too much information. We, it's not healthy for us to have too much information like this. It's an, like as much as as a fellow human being, if I did know that there's starving kids in Africa, that makes my heart hurt. But I shouldn't wake up every morning and see if there's starving kids in Africa. I can't live my life with my heart hurting all the time. You know, like we, we can't know all the drama the things that we have our blood pressure has risen the things that have like caused our body our chemical fucking pods here to just do all these crazy things just by watching the news every hour of news that you've watched of things that actually really weren't relevant to you they were just kind of passing that time and giving you some in-between information in in you know you texted people you posted on your facebook you did these things because you saw them on the news well they don't, they, they don't actually affect you a lot of times. If you look back at the things that you cared for strongly that the news told you to care about you know, the last three years, really what part of your life have they changed? Like what, what have they given you? Like the things that matter to you in your life, have they affected them in, in the, the correct way? Um, I, I think that the 24-hour news stream is not good for our health. It keeps us thinking about the wrong things. You, you can't constantly, like, if you want to not, if you want to stop being a drug addict, you can't wake up and just 
look at some drugs on TV every single day and, and, and have drugs on the table every single day. You know, you got, if, you want, if you want to get away from something that's tragedy, something that's bad, you got to insert things that are good. You got to wake up and you got to like, what do I like today? Not what tragedy is going on. What do I, oh, I, I want to learn how to play guitar. So I'm going to put like some light guitar on. I want to learn how to play piano and put light piano on. I want to learn how to sew. So I'm going to watch a sewing station. We can't just like keep learning about what's bad, bad, bad. Somebody has to, obviously we have to pay attention to what's going on in the world. You can't be blind to it, but... I've got a, a fun little experiment for everyone to do. So for the next week or pick a couple days, delete all your social apps, delete all your media apps, and then don't watch TV. And then focus on only stuff that you actually like to do. Like don't waste any of your time putting any energy into shit that is just wasting time or just can like taking your conscious awareness away from stuff you really like to do. Cause I like, I like to creative write, there's a lot of things that I enjoy doing that I just don't do because I spend time in taking just, just this shit media that is not helpful at all. Right. And just see how you feel. Like, it was profound when I did it. it was made yeah, didn't you just recently, like, do it again? Yeah, right. about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Wait, so, so what exactly did you do? You just deleted the apps or what did you... I deleted YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, stopped watching news, and I stopped playing video games. So like, hey, I like to do a bunch of stuff, and I just uh-huh. don't do it. Like, I like to shoot. I like to do archery. Mm-hmm. I play D and D, so I do a lot of creative writing. Right. Like, I like to play cards with my friends. Like, there's like a lot of things that I enjoy doing that I don't do because I'm too busy being distracted. And I feel like this news cycle, like all of this, this terrible drama that is the real life news, is just so enveloping, and you just get slowly more and more into it, more and more into it. I mean, it really is just a bad drama TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say it's equally as bad for your brain as just watching trash TV. It seems like the people who watch it, though, the way that they freaking word things on the news is they they make it seem like if you're ignoring this stuff, you're an idiot. You are so stupid if you're ignoring this stuff. So the people who are listening to it are like, of course, I'm the one listening to it. I know people who aren't listening to it. They have no idea what's going on. Like that's People who watch the news are walking around talking to other people who watch the news saying they have no idea what's going on. But has it made your life better? Is it is it actually... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to just throw like, oh, all news or like you should ignore everything that's going on politician-wise. But like... Man, this stuff is fucky right now. It's 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 really weird. There's a lot of like, I mean, anybody can watch any documentaries about like what's actually going on here, all the the marketing that they're they're doing, and all the you know people in charge who are putting certain ads in front of our eyes, all of our attention being purchased, our data, all this shit. It's the news is it's not it's not fabricating real life for for the for the watchers. It's just not real life. It's, it's not, it it might be a little bit, a little bit. It's real. Something is really happening. And they might be talking about a little bit of it, but whatever they spin on it is not real. And you got to look at the financial. Um, there's a financial reason that all these things happen. Like they just want to get clicks. They want to make you mad, so you come back. Facebook puts ads in front of you that are going to make you upset. They put posts in front of you that are making you upset, so you engage more, so you make more ad revenue. Like your consciousness is just being sold. Like mm-hmm. your attention is just being sold. On the other side of that, I feel like it is everyone's civic duty to understand what is happening in the world. Like, right. it's not good to turn a blind eye to the entire world and just live your... I mean, you can just live your quiet, happy life and never engage with it, but it is important to understand these things. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to understand these things with a lot of nuance and a lot of other factors into consideration other than just what you're being told. Like, you need to be able to form a whole congruent opinion on all these political things based on like your philosophical beliefs. And that's why I think philosophy is really important. 
because it poses a bunch of questions that you need to come to terms with how you feel and it allows your worldview to be more linear and sound and then you can have better political opinions because you know what you really believe and you've really actually thought about it. A lot of these people that watch the news have not thought about these things. They just have, they turn on TV one day, they believe what their dad did and now they're upset. Mm-hmm. But why? Like why is a good question. Why am I mad about this? Why is this happening? Is this, is what's happening ethical? Like, like why am I upset? That's mm-hmm. a very good question to ask. Yeah, I mean people, I think I think what's happening. I mean, just summarize the whole news thing. It, it sucks because I think people are being kind of catapulted into having arguments that aren't really theirs. They're kind of just being used as a mouth, as a, as a talking, whatever, like a puppet for for all these people's whatever agendas. And this is like on all like a lot of sides of the political, the whole thing. I mean, it, you know, e- even saying. <clears throat> So voting, you're like, okay, I want to vote. You're like, who do I vote for? You're like, what what does it mean? Like, like, how do I learn to vote? I'm sure there's like plenty of simple things, but there's also there, there's probably a great answer to that. There's probably like a you can type in certain things and it's just going to give you the answer. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I think I would love to like learn exactly like where can we send people to like you want to learn how to vote or want to know about the basics of of voting? Here you go. But uh, um, there's so much fucking information. And there's so much information that's biased. There's so much information that has very much headline clicky stuff. There is people with more money than other people who have purchased more of your data than them. There's like, for, for example, the election, um, like, uh, I don't want to dive too far into like the, the political stuff, but just as a basis of w- w- what I'm saying, what I'm saying, the whole thing is nutty, is there. If you weren't going to vote, so say that you're someone who like just has cable and you've never voted in your life, but based off of your search history, you're a dickhead. You're an asshole. You're a turd being and just lives by yourself out in the woods, but you have cable. Well, people with money and power know these things, know everything about you because of your data, your search history, your Alexa, your whatever. These people can then say, oh, this guy's never voted before, but he's likely to vote for this candidate. Eh, that's our guy right there. That's our candidate. So let's make sure that he particularly gets our ad. Six miles down the road, there's some liberal, nice, really whatever, whatever people, and uh, they're going to get a completely different ad based off of their watch history. So that right there, like the the pinpointing, the targeting of, of people like in their intelligence, uh, people in their like previous beliefs, uh, just, I mean, knowing that information, it changes everything to me. It, I, I don't know that I have answers for any of that. Like, that's just craziness, right? That's So to me, that says like, oh, okay, so clearly the whole thing is broken because that's not, I don't know if it's cheating, but it's something kind of weird. Um, it's, it's way too tactical for an election because an election, what's the point of it? You know, like we want, <laughs> we want. It's just a bad system and the debates that they have are not actually debates they Mm -hmm. just they're okay the debates are hosted by news organizations that are for profit that have agendas and they will throw people bad (laughs) questions on purpose and not get them voted in like this is so obviously just fucking bullshit yeah it's just obviously and this isn't game. one side versus the other side this is the whole the thing the entire thing thing. the structure of it is dicky this whole system that we have Mm -hmm. and we've just allowed it to be ingrained with corporatism is just ruined everything. Mm. But if I'm going to give some tips, if you're going to pick a candidate, go look at who was given the money and then look at, like, because you can see publicly who their donors are. Mm. Go see who's given the money and then go look at their policies. You say, oh, 
oil's giving this guy a bunch of money. Oh, he's got a bunch of oil tax cuts. Like, okay, like these things add up. Like if you can see who's paying for this, you can see what this person's going to do. Even in regards, if they're not saying these things, you know what they're going to do because something's lining their pockets. Mm -hmm. So I would say go, go seek that out. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But it's hard to seek that out, though, man, because you start go, going into these rabbit holes, and it's just all this. I don't want to use the word fake news on my goddamn podcast, but fake it's news. It's pretty much all fake news. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it's all fake news? It's all fucky. But but so so here here's the thing: is I would never. I'm not trying to advise people to not vote. I'm saying we need to learn way more. So like something Shane and I had a conversation with about, and then I was just bringing back up. I would love to. I'm I'm not super savvy on the whole voting process. I want to like go through it, and I want to go through it out loud on this podcast. I want to try to offer not too strong opinions, you know, because I know like I crack my fair share amount of jokes about like the Trump thing, but it's not so much about him in in like him as a person as much as it's again this whole thing is just ridiculous like like look at what happened you know um but but anyway i think what it is important to know is because a lot of people like let's say the far far left the crazy people are getting to this conversation spencer and they're like this whole thing is fucked and they're doing this and blah blah and then they're going outside and they're saying this thing's this is bad man we need to change this like people don't talk about these things or or notice that like hey we're on a fucking rock hurling through space and to survive and to be successful and not kill each other and not die of starvation we have to have culture we have to have society this is something that needs to happen and unless you a person on the side of the street just yelling and complaining about it of what other people are doing unless you have a better idea it's kind of like what's happening right now so i think that that speaking of things like the structure of how everything is and the the entirety of of all this is is super important but like we're not trying to just fucking throw it all under the bus and say it sucks or just complain about it i think that it's it's nice to speak about and like i don't know like spencer you and i we always get going down far rabbit holes of like even you know far-fetched ideas like man what if like we didn't have a president and we just had like seven dudes who you know like it's fun to to extend like your what if philosophy from take your conversations into into those areas and extend like i wonder what could we do like i don't know everything but what could we do and have those conversations with your friends instead of like the here's exactly what they're doing and what i'm doing this is wrong this is right and blaming people and you got to get away from status quo bias just because it is like this now doesn't mean that's how it should be Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are like, uh, we we're a capitalist nation. Like the, our government is this is how it is. This is how it's going to work, and we can't change it at all. That's true. This is American. Okay, well that's pretty regressive, and maybe we should think that this is a pretty shit system, and everyone can see it, and maybe we should change it, and maybe you should talk about that. Yeah, like I mean, why? And then, but but there is also a lot of. I mean, we kind of hit a dead end with that because then it loops back around to a lot of people's religions. Um, like this this one, a lot of people. I don't even want to dive too far into religion anymore, really, on this one. But it's hard because you hit a lot of speed bumps. But I think the point of it is being able to have open conversation and open dialogue um, and and being able to to really understand, like, let your brain wrap wrap itself around that, like, there's 7.6 billion motherfuckers in the world and they know a lot of different things 100% in their heart the same way that you 100% in your heart know them. Mm -hmm. So what the fuck, man? Things are clearly, like... It's okay that people have different beliefs. Um, there's so many different beliefs, but w- when they're stopping progress and stopping all these things, it, it's frustrating. But we must 
Like if you go out in the world and start having conversations, a lot of people are going to stonewall the shit out of you. Yeah. You just got to have good faith in it and then just keep going out and doing it. Like a lot of these people that don't have the mindset of, hey, let's have an open conversation. They just want to tribe up and attack you. That's mm-hmm. not going to end well. Like you're not going to have a good conversation with people. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to because you're yeah. never going to get anywhere if you don't try. And you're never going to get anywhere if you just attack people because they're going to double down. It's going to make it worse. So if you really want to espouse your opinion, you think it's very good, you should have a very nice, mm-hmm. quiet conversation about it and then not get upset when people disagree with you. And yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally right. But I think also taking it on your own take it where you want it. Like me, I'm very interested in the, in in everything and I want to explore all realms of possibilities and like I want to remain in disbelief and like learn what you think, but I don't think that I'm like why I'm owed you your opinion. So I shouldn't invite someone who has a very opposite opinion of me for them to come like yell at me on my podcast or mm-hmm. or somebody like like if there's somebody in your life that um, their opinion is vastly different from you, but they don't they don't understand the uh, conversation skills. The um, they think that things are all debate. They think that things are like um, facts, and facts negate everything that you just said. It's like, whatever facts is for you, and where'd you get them? Like there's yeah, it's it, of, yeah, ha- having civilized conversation, <laughs> and that's not a champion belief because you want to be your your dumb lizard brain just wants to dominate people and win i want my words to be your words fuck you my idea is better and mm-hmm. that and not a lot of people aren't like that because that's just how we are at our core like, you have to learn how to not be like that because we just come out the box like that so you most people aren't going to be very helpful but we should at least try yeah we should yeah, definitely at least try. try just meet new people and see what they think and let them just say what they think and learn about it. And you can learn something from everyone. If you talk to everyone like they know something that you don't, you're going to get a lot more out of conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, and most of the time they do know something you don't. If you really think about oh, it. Oh, they always do. Everyone knows something you don't know. Right. That's just, I would go on a limb and say that's probably a fact. It's, I mean, it's definitely a fact. Like, they, they know their mother's name. You don't know their mother's name. Boom. One thing they don't know. That's something they could teach you. Oh, you could have just learned someone else's mother's name. You missed out on it because you were being a dickhead. Well, maybe there they got go. lessons they want to teach you, too. And maybe you can, at least you can learn how not to do stuff, too, from right. people. Like, if this is somebody that you really think is really shit in the bed, like, maybe you can just learn, oh, this is a lesson. Like, you did something bad, and I learned a lesson from it. Now you win. So right. even if you really don't like this person, they really believe stuff that you don't like, uh-huh. you can at least learn something. But when you're too busy being right, you miss out on lessons. Yes. When you're so enveloped, and this person is an idiot, and this person is this, and your opinion of someone, and, and I'm right, and you're wrong, you don't have any room in your head or in your intake right here of taking in them teaching you anything. Yeah. You're too busy filling it in with them being wrong. There's a problem with this, though, because a lot of people make a lot of points in very bad faith. Like they just are saying stuff to, like, just, like, dominate you in some way. And they're to making, win. Yeah, they're making bad faith arguments. Like, this, whatever they're saying is not coming from a place of kindness or empathy mm-hmm. Or a reason, and they don't actually believe these things. They're just saying these things to be hurtful, or they're saying these things to, to own you. Quotes. Yeah, dude. Do you think that? I mean, conversation is something that language conversation. It's definitely been changed and kind of like weirdly stripping away in strange ways. Um, obviously, just because technology, the internet, social media, texting, like our shortening of text, our shortening of words. Um, I think I've talked to you before. I notice when I'm writing my like, like if I'm writing a book. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, this is a chapter for a book that I want to author one day. It's very different person that is writing than when I'm typing on my Facebook wall, or especially when I'm tweeting. Like, the, the 
misinterpretation of of language that has happened just with that just within our own selves like sometimes we change what we really mean but it's definitely changed language has kind of broadened without any explanation of it and and now we're we're all trying to navigate that it's super weird but it's i think it's important for people to understand that different words and different terminology and stuff aren't always the same to you and another person we have to look inside like okay give it a second what does this dude really mean what is he actually saying not the exact words well this word means this and you said this word so now you're right and i'm wrong it's we got to listen to what they're saying not not the words that they're saying intent is important but you also before people get their guard up before this gets heated you can just define terms. They say, like, faith mm. is, like, for religious people say the word faith, but it means a very different thing to a lot of people. Right. I was like, hey, like, what does this mean to you? Like, would you define this for me, please? Or, like, you're in a political debate. Ask them to define a word. Because usually if you've been living in a different bubble than they have, this word holds way different connotations and denotations to them. Uh-huh. So if you can understand how they mean that word, you can definitely communicate with them better. Because we're saying the same words, but they just don't yes. mean the same things. Dude, I, I think that that's something we should really like dig a hole like this part of the podcast. That is actually a pretty big deal. The misinterpretation that we're having of the exact same words. Like we are so in our heads that we don't realize that we don't know. Uh, like like two years ago when someone if someone was talking to me about the word spirit or whatever, I would be like, that's something for them. That's something that they feel, blah, blah, blah. But like now that I've felt my own versions of spirituality and, and whatever that fucking means to me, like I'm able to know what they mean when, and so I can have more compassion with them. Um, so that's just something like through my own experience that I'm, I'm making a, a connection obviously with that. But I think that entire versions of words, faith is another good one. Um, the word ego, like our first podcast, we defined ego. Um, I, I think that being super cocky and super confident, all of us, a lot of people our age especially, knowing that we know words and um, we hear someone say something so we take it out of context because we're like oh they're saying this about me but we're, we're forgetting we're take we're not taking that person into consideration we're not taking oh what did they actually mean um, what's their knowing of this word because um, I, I mean if, if you're a 30 year old man and you've read a ton of books and there's a seven-year-old girl who's read four books and you guys are having an argument about what faith means the the word faith what the definition of it is it's going to be different you guys are arguing different points but you both think you're wrong well there's chances that a lot of times you're arguing as the seven-year-old and you don't need to be arguing at all you need to just be like let's get on the same page of what we're talking about this same word right i think it's pretty important yeah words have to mean stuff and we need to at least have them mean the same thing to communicate a big thing in philosophy almost every philosopher will when they're doing a lot of writings, they'll be very, very, very meticulous in describing what these words mean to them and exactly how they're using them to deliver a more eloquent, concise point. And we just throw words around. We also really devalue words as well. Like we the, want to condense them. Yes. The, the power of words is really devalued. You see when people, like younger kids will awful time say a lot of bigoted words, like just as jokes, because they just... I mean, words just don't mean anything to you. Like, these are just fun words that you're saying. But once you just get a little older and you start to realize, like, these things are really potent. Like, these words have been used in very bad ways. Mm-hmm. Like, these are these are powerful. And then you start to think about it and you're like, oh, maybe, like, everything I say is pretty potent if you make it that way. It and is. We, yeah. In order for society to function, words have to mean stuff. Yeah, I mean... 
Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a super big thing. I mean, in, in little kids, knowing more words, but like knowing of them, but not really, really grasping them. That's got to be like not super great, super, it's got to be a little more confusing than anything. I think... Dude, language but, is fucking difficult. Yeah, language is so difficult. And it's, I, I think that it's kind of being a little bit swiped out from underneath us. Like, and if we're not careful, if we're not, you know, we, we can't just shorten everything. We can't just condense everything. So if you're like... Hey man, give me one, give me a five word sentence on what religion is. You can't do that. That doesn't say, you can give them a five word sentence, but now you have just given your view of religion on a five word sentence. You just put a box around this thing. And I mean, religion is just the word that came to mind, but like mm-hmm. any, of, any of these words that people want to condense so much. Uh, ego, for example, like that's a word that like every time we talk about it, it seems like it's like a, we're, we're defining it from a little bit different of a stance because it's it's talking about something. I mean, think about consciousness. Like uh, I read Conscious by Annika Harris and like I read the book and I'm like, man, I feel like I still don't know if I could fully describe what consciousness is, is to someone if they uh, asked me. So it's, we, we have to remember how complicated language is and what a lot of times we're doing here in today's world is fucking fighting people over misinterpretations of language and misinterpretations of the dude wasn't able to explain what he actually meant because he didn't have 17 hours to tell you his point. But we need to work with what we're given, you know? Yeah, there's a double-edged sword of that, though, because a lot of people don't even know why they believe stuff. So when you get them to explain it, it's just kind of a train wreck because they haven't actually had to think about it at all. But that's the thing. If, if you're explaining something, you realize that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, be like... Actually, you know, I think I'm stupid. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe I just don't know this thing, and it's super okay to not know stuff. Or, but I will say that I would really like it if more people that had strong beliefs held them for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that this, exp- yes, we definitely need to give people a lot more leeway in explaining the stuff that they need to. And stuff like Twitter has really ruined speech because that 140 character limit is not conducive to a nuanced, mm-hmm. complete explanation of anything. It's got to be short and punchy and meme and that's where it's rewarded. And if, and if it insults them perfectly to, to the people who are listening to it, then you get more likes and, you yeah, know. It's just got to slap, but it's not helpful. It's got to be base boosted. Yes. <laughs> Um, cool, man. Let's uh, let's not dive too much farther on that. We will in coming episodes. Um, these are things. Oh man, I'm in the chair that just randomly sinks down all the time. See you later. Um, I would love to talk a little bit more about philosophy, though. So uh, the uh, the bio that that I've like that yours is is armchair philosopher, and then mine is a junkyard philosopher. I, I just enjoy. I mean, I, I I don't know what I claim to know, and I don't really know what I know yet, but I. I enjoy philosophy of all aspects. Um, I will say my favorite, I got to say Alan Watts and Carl Jung, um, probably probably my, my top two. Um, Alan Watts is like a pretty easy, obvious one. Like anybody who likes anything in the realm of, of what we like usually, usually is into some sort of Alan Watts. If you don't know who Alan Watts is, A-L-A-N-W-A-T-T-S on YouTube or Spotify, and people have done some really cool shit with his lectures. You'd probably recognize his voice. It's just really nice to listen to. I like to go on walks and just put him in the headphones. Um, Carl Jung is, uh, man, what was he? Scottish? 
I don't you know, know much about him personally. I just know about the the test and a lot of his teachings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, dude. Yeah, he, he's great. Um, th- those are my top two. Who are your top two philosophers? Oh, if you have shit, to say. that's rough. Okay, so this is something you gotta that narrow I, it down to two as well. I've done it, like a lot of research on, and I've mm-hmm. done a lot of reading. Me and one of my friends, he wants to be a philosophy professor. So beautiful. And I work out with him every night, so we probably spend three hours talking about philosophical points almost okay. every single day. Well, it's cool because now I'm going to make you bring him. With you on the podcast. I told him I want him to come here. It'd be so yes, cool. I would he's be, great. If he'd be down, that really would be cool. We'll talk about that later. My two favorite. Fuck. Um, I would say. Also, I apologize for the noise that you're hearing. I'll try to edit it out as best I can, but I had a little bit of a basement flood, and it appears that they're fixing the pl- the pipes upstairs right now. Uh, so sorry, Spencer. Continue, buddy. Philosophers. So rough because this encompasses this encompasses so many different like parts of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, politically, I really like the Frankfurt School of Thought, which is basically just all the communist guys. I really like all of them as philosophers; they're great. If okay. you like hate getting dicked by capitalism and you think your life sucks because you're being you're selling your time, Marxism. Go look up the Frankfurt <laughs> School of Thought and just listen to their ideas. Okay, can you explain? Can you explain what it is? I'm not sure. Uh, the Frankfurt there. School of Thought is a group of people uh, around when Marx was alive, and they just kind of had a lot of they just had a lot of ideas that were pretty communist, and they mm-hmm. did a lot of poking at capitalism and like political structures and whatnot. Right. And that's kind of what they believed. I really like them. There's a there's a podcast that does excellent exposés on all of these people that is very unbiased. It's called Philosophize This. If you want Ooh, to. I think that I've heard their stuff. I think they even have YouTube short dude, videos, too. It is excellent. It's very, yes. very good. And it's very unbiased, very educational. Philosophize This. Yes. Cool. And then I, Immanuel Kant, I like a lot. I don't like his view on metaphysics. This is like pretty deep in the weeds because you would have to like know a lot about what he's saying. But everything else that he believes, I really enjoy. Who is my favorite philosopher? David Hume's great as well. I can't think of who that is. He's the ultimate skeptic. He's like this jolly Scottish man who was just like just the biggest skeptic, but he was always happy, like a traditional mark. Right. Of a philosopher is like there's this sad incel who just like never sees the light and is just internally tormented. <laughs> yeah. But he's like this right. well-spoken Scottish man who's all jolly and enjoys everything. But he was just like a really, really strong skeptic. Oh, incredible. Imagine if Steven Pinker was like, <laughs> but what all he writes is just actually just he's like, yeah, everything sucks. He's like, I know I talk about all this stuff and everything is jolly and great and we're very optimist, but realistically, it's just a disaster. Dude, most of the thinkers <laughs> are really sad. They're very, very torn up. I inside. mean, uh, okay, because so so thinking about these things, the average person versus a, so a philosopher. What does a philosopher think about? They think about this, like like what everything is, right? Like a like. Uh, okay, well, let's define that. Let's back up. Philosophy. Let's define philosophy. Okay, before, I'm just going to interject real quick. Two of my favorite grandstanding ideas come from a man, he's French, named Albert Camus. Okay. Okay, he does absurdism, which is basically like the yes. world. Like, there's just nothing. Like, this is just complete chaos, and you must be you must be happy in the idea that nothing has meaning. And that's beautiful yeah. and freeing. <laughs> everything is absurd. Yes. He, Every, like, so f- everything is absurd. That guy was my jumping off point into doing all this, like, learning. And I really, really, really enjoy his work. And so if you want to follow that. It's kind of a catapult into sadness, though, if you're not careful. Yes. Some of so that that's stuff. kind of the problem because nihilism is what is before that. And nihilism right. is like the world means nothing. Like, I'm sad and depressed and my life mm-hmm. is meaningless. And a lot of nihilists run back to religion. 
mm-hmm. because it's comfort and it's this it's this hard belief that your life has meaning but if you just take one step further I know or or even hold on to that like that feeling where you don't have your feet are off the ground if you just hold on to that for a couple of months or a couple of weeks it's life gets really fun I'm just saying mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like discovering philosophies and like oh man okay my brain is um, unstructuring right now I didn't realize that it's just it's so oh I love that it. it's like my favorite like, it's so great to just unfold what you know to learn something new and you must have someone else to bounce it off too because I have more questions than answers now than even when I started like right. I am way more puzzled like I spend every day toiling over like ethically how should i treat people like if these are my worldviews like right there's just so much nuance and there's no answer and it's so fulfilling to just work over it and oh think. i know and, and go go a whole day holding on to a belief you're like man i think that this might be like the thing and you're walking around and you're having like profound insights about it and then two days later you're like oh i forgot i even thought that that was the thing mm-hmm. uh, you know you, you stumble upon these like um, awakenings is a strange word, but it's kind of what it is. Like well, it's just a realization. It's a realization. You just have more. You've been uh, presented with a worldview or an idea that you don't currently have, and you get to test it with yours and see if it's good. If this is better, mm-hmm. than, if this is a better worldview than I currently have, I'm going to adopt it, and it will allow you, if you're open-minded, to constantly shift and evolve your worldview. And if you do enough studying, you can have a perfectly congruent worldview, and then you know how to treat people. You know how to act. You can understand that they have different worldviews, too. You can really understand. Yeah, yes, and you're much more open to ideas because of this. Um, Do do you think that... Do you think the average listener, like, has really had a life-altering, like, worldview? Like, I mean, like, so let's say a a traumatic... A a person who's gone through a traumatic time in their life, they've had a life-altering view... um, uh, Okay, so you, for example, like you talk about how like your life has been pretty like it's not too bad, but like you are able to see that your that life is more than just this safe bubble of of whatever you've created and whatever you've grown up with. You've challenged that and you've explored the rest of the world. Like you've you've let the ground you walk on be shaky because it's like a what if thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of other people so say. Hmm, a, a world view change, like like being able to actively change who you are so a lot of people uh, here's a good example sorry i was flirting around it when you're 40 years old a lot of people are like oh i thought i knew everything when i was 25 and they'll give you some examples examples of whatever they're like i was a fucking idiot when i was 25 like they say things like that i think that while we're 25 we there's a lot of people who aren't willing to admit that when they're 40 it's likely that's going to happen or when they're whatever this age is going to happen like these the what you think now is probably going to drastically change um, philosophy. Like you have stuff like that, like every day. The more you learn about these things, the more you're like, oh, I think maybe I believe that. It's like a flip switch where, where, <laughs> like stuff just. Um, man, I, I wish I could like think of like a movie scene that just like moves. The person is still there, but the whole setting shifts. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's kind of, that's kind of what it feels when your worldview shifts. Yeah, you get a new lens. Yeah. Can you, okay. So say you had to describe that to a fucking robot, uh, someone who doesn't understand, like, or someone who has never felt they've they've never they've lived in a, a cave their whole life, whatever. I don't know. They've never had some a profound shift in changing what they believe in. Well, I would say if anyone's ever left or gone to religion, you know what it's like. Mm. Definitely. I mean, it's just a complete reworking of how you view the world and the values that you hold. So. I, in high school, was a very, um, 
empirically driven, just like complete rational. Like if their numbers don't support it, I don't support it. Like all this woo-woo bullshit, I'm just not going to accept it because this is not the real world. Sure. And I took everything at face value and I denied everything that wasn't that. And slowly, as I grew up, started to think about things. And I wasn't a very empathetic person. I didn't look at things from other people's point of view. I always questioned everything, but it was to be right. And slowly growing up and just doing research on how to think and all these other people that have been the the great thinkers of our times, I guess, and seeing how they think and bouncing off how I am and then slowly adopting these things has completely changed who I am as a core being, but it didn't happen very quickly, so I can't really attest to what it's like. It, It was a very slow, slow growth, and I would encourage people to not completely shatter their own world yeah, Maybe don't. slowly get into this. Your ego is very, um, you need to protect it to some degree. You can't just completely be blown up. Like you got to slowly challenge right. everything you believe. If you challenge everything you believe at once, it's going to be really overwhelming. It, and, the, and that is something seriously though. If you, if you are exploring a lot of these things, a lot of like uh, different philosophies, a lot of psychology, when, when you start to understand um, things like more in depth, um, I so that's something with with psychology. You know, philosophy is right there in hand. But psychology, as I start, you know, reading these psychology books and and exploring more more into that world, I start realizing like, you know, you start thinking about when you move your right arm, and you're like, why did I move my right arm in, in this way? And you start connecting things to different things. That's a terrible example about the right arm, but you start looking at things from a different lens because your lens is now more intelligent. You're upgrading. You're upgrading your hardware here. Like you're, you're able to look at more things. Um, it, it, I've, it does get shaky if you're not careful. Um, definitely if you like dive pretty deep, a lot of like the people healing like childhood traumas and doing like the um, hypnotism stuff. And a lot of the stuff that, that is in this world is a little shaky, but it's super exciting. So, but if you, if you feel yourself like, man, this feels uncomfortable, like don't retreat from it, but give yourself enough self love to be like, let's, Let's kind of explore something that I enjoy. Let's 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 not watch this next documentary about um, AI and, and what is reality and all this sort of stuff. You know, take take a step back and, and find your sanity before you go exploring into it. I mean, there's an ego whiplash with all things too. Whenever you're trying to change yourself, like your life's like a guitar string, and like all things, you're trying to your body's trying to achieve homeostasis or stay at a baseline, and it realizes that. You've survived where you're at, so we should stay here. Because if we change it all, maybe Precisely. we won't survive. Even if it's for the better, your body wants to hold mm-hmm. on there. So when you strum this guitar string, it goes up and it goes down. Mm-hmm. You get that pull-down effect. And that, if you challenge too many things at once, it's going to be very overwhelming. You're going to end up worse off than you were before. Mm-hmm. So we just slowly like introduce new ideas. Like find Just like find one school of thought to tackle. Like how do I feel about like being alive or like the existence in general like do i think that there's a god like do i think that the world is just this chaotic mess that accidentally happened and you're asking these things for no and you don't have to have an answer you can wonder no you don't have an answer ever yeah yeah, that's the thing i think that's the thing is people they say i don't know and they end the conversation there they're like yeah i don't know but i was just on a hike and i i found myself i i noticed that i would was doing it. I was for minutes. I was literally just looking at the mountains in the sky, and one position wasn't moving, and I was just kept in this state of wonder. Like, I wonder what, man. Like, what is this? Like, all of all these things I've learned, like, 
you know, I don't know. I wonder what this is. It's just, it's so interesting. And you start noticing that it's just beautiful is the thing is wonder leads to beauty, man. It, it really does is because you don't know in remaining in not knowing, remaining in disbelief, getting yourself there is great, but remaining in disbelief is just super important. You don't have to know. You can just wonder. Something that I cherish a lot is the fact that all the philosophical ideas that I hold are not truisms and that they are subject to change, and I will never know for certain. So I get to spend my whole life wondering. Mm-hmm. Getting an answer is so fucking boring. I know. Well, I just don't want yeah, to have an answer. What? Yeah, what am I going to do? I just yeah. get to ponder this my whole life, and then yeah. through this I get to be a more efficient, effective, yeah. affectionate person. That's excellent. And the pursuit of knowledge or thought, even if it's not what I believe, like at least exploring these ideas to allow yourself to view the world in a more wholesome manner that is more... Like, you can back up your ideas. Like, hey, I feel this way because of this and this and this. Right. And this is how I see things. It's very, even if I respect that a lot, I respect people that they have strong opinions and they have all these ideas, but they've got a very, very deep-rooted reason why and, and at least some kind of rationale to getting there. It's when people haven't questioned anything and they believe things very strongly that it's very upsetting. Right. It's like, hey, how can you have these strong opinions? You've never explored anything. Yeah, and, and why wouldn't you want to explore? It feels so good. It is very frightening, and I understand that I just have the perfect personality set up to really seek these things out, and a lot of people just aren't going to want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very it would be very helpful for everyone to just maybe question what they currently believe. Whatever you believe the strongest, you should question it a little yeah. bit. Just poke not, at it. Like, not, why do I believe this? But, but not to say, like, I think they're trying to tell me that that this is wrong and, and it's not the absolute truth. It's like no, it's because life is is very wonderful when you question things. Life is life is a journey. I mean, it, dude, this is the, at all times you're on, you can be on a loading screen of the coolest game ever and just choose what adventure you're gonna go down. Like what character are you gonna be? And and if you're just stuck on one character the whole time, you know, if you forget that you can press B and go back to the fucking loading screen, sometimes, you know, like you're gonna get. Maybe you're super good at being a swordsman, but you can try the archer out, you know? Yeah, you got this, like, magical thing between your ears that you yeah. can flex all the time, just like a muscle. And if you don't flex it, how you got to push all the buttons, man. You got to think about stuff, go seek new ideas out. I mean, maybe they should reaffirm what you believe. Great. Maybe they don't. At mm. the, no matter what, you are in a better spot. So if you never seek out any of this information, you're just going to... I mean, I think you're just going to suffer, really. Uh-huh. Even silently, even though you don't know that you're currently doing it. Not seeking out nuance in life and new ideas and all these wonderful things that go along with just like sitting and thinking and pursuing these these ideas you're just you're just shorting yourself because we don't live for very long and you're really just gonna Mm -hmm. you're just gonna decide at 20 that this is what you believe and you're never gonna test it again and then you're gonna go sell your time to work and then that's it you're just gonna work and die you just you're never gonna enjoy the little the little finer things in life. The, yeah, the, this is for sure. Like the the stories of afterlife. Like I, I don't know. I mean, dude, you're here now. Why are you worried now? about that? You got a mental yeah, right. playground. You got a whole world full of people that have already right. thought about stuff. You can go play around with these toys. <laughs> you can go play around it's with so these ideas. It's so true, dude. Life is you can. It's a choose your own adventure. I mean, really think about it. It's. In life, we think that it's always just looking for the most happiness, but it's actually just choosing what struggles you want. Like, what what pain do you want to endure? What what suffering are you willing to take on in this 100 years of life or however long you're going to live? It's like, we think it's like, find something that's safe and just hunker down. And 
that was a way of living for a long time but but like we're safe we have food we can we can explore like it's it's not you don't have to just focus on on surviving now we can we can wonder about it and and yeah. explore like if the ideas that you hold so strongly and have never questioned so okay if you're a caveman you get all your caveman friends you get the pointy stick you find the cave with the one entrance mm-hmm. all the ideas that you hold really strongly and have never questioned are sitting at the back of that and you're just protecting them mm-hmm. stabbing everything else that comes in mm-hmm. but maybe you should wander out of that cave mm-hmm. and go look what out look what's out there and you're like oh shit there's way more world i didn't even realize i was in a cave this is what i always talk about with the maze a lot of times people have their back against the wall in their maze and and sometimes I feel like the conversations that I'm trying to have are above the maze. That I'm I'm above the maze, saying, "Hey, dummies! Like, remember? Like, you you put four quarters in, and you you're in the maze game. Like, and then they're gonna be like, oh yeah, shit. Okay, we forgot that we were in the maze. We've been here for years. And they're just gonna drop their sword and then climb out of the maze and just come hang out with me. I like, love it when you say the maze. I think it's such an awesome analogy for yeah. just like life and thinking and whatnot because life it's so easy to just believe your stuff and barrel down in but hey maybe right. we should look at this stuff yeah man T- take a look like okay yes you're focus on your fight focus on your as you're swinging your sword and in, in, in your you're in the heat of the moment you know experience that and feel that but then also remember like okay wait oh yeah i'm i'm on earth and i'm and that's in the galaxy and that's in the, in the universe and i'm just a human being which has to do with with evolution and all these things i don't know probably not add evolution to that story but I just slid down again in this old chair. Uh, if anyone ever finds any <laughs> philosophical ideas a new chair. that they just want somebody to talk about, definitely comment in one of these. I would, oh, yeah. I would love to go off on one. I just don't really want to get into the weeds with stuff that people aren't interested in. Because what I'm interested in is probably not what other people are interested in. So. Well, um, that, that's okay, though. I mean, you, you're... You're my good friend, and this is this is my podcast, so we get to talk about what we're interested in. Um, but also, you know, in a supportive way to teach other people who, if they're interested in it too, they can kind of know a little bit, and and we can compare ideas with it too. It's all about discussion. It's all just, about discussion. You just find someone to talk to, talk about stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing too, is I'm like, as much as, I used to be like so afraid of comments, right? Like, you have to tiptoe so, over the last few years on Facebook and YouTube and all these, tw- Twitter especially, comments just get where... People find something that they disagree with, and they try to rip you apart, and then it becomes this argument. Comments are weird, like we, because we never decided, like, hey guys, here's what we do with comments. Like, we never fully decided that, right? And same with likes. It's like, do you like this product, or, or do you dislike this product when you give it a thumbs down, or do you dislike the video about the product? You know. So uh, I think that that I have been a little bit afraid of comments, but it's something I definitely want to be loud about on this podcast. Is like. Hey man, you can kind of get a gist for what we're talking about here. Um, I'm not claiming to be anything. I'm just going to be honest about what we're conversating about. But if you think that there's something that would spark a good convo that you would like to listen to, or you're like, man, I think that these guys might know a little bit about, let's say Buddhism, let's say whatever, but meditation, maybe they can teach me. Or, hey, I can't seem to meditate. Um, I'm not trying to like say that I'm some sort of Dr. Phil here, but if you can comment, well, we're going to read them and we're going to... And you can message me and tell me why I'm wrong about stuff too. I'd love to talk to you about. Yes, that. yeah. I, I don't. I, what, what I'm what I'm emphasizing there is I don't want to do the debate thing. I'm not trying to say these are my beliefs and we're arguing like that. It's not how we fucking have conversation. That's how the internet has started working. And I'm I'm just going to openly say like I'm not participating in that shit. I'm not trying to participate in everything being a debate and I'm right and you're wrong. Um, I just think that we need to relearn how to have conversation and remember that 
this is the internet and there's human beings on the other side of that conversation. So imagine you had to wake up every morning and, and wave hi to your neighbor, but you just talk shit to them on, on their, their avatar to their fucking YouTube comments. It's just ridiculous. We're, we're forgetting that we're in the maze and, 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 uh, comments have gotten weird. But anyway, I'm hoping to, to have good comments. Dude, social media is the ultimate maze. I was looking at my Instagram. Like, this is just not an accurate representation of who I am at all. Mm. Like, if anyone approached me and then just wanted to talk about one of these things, I actually just wouldn't enjoy it. Not even a little bit. Like, this is just not who I am, and it's not who I want to talk about. Right. But it's in my past what I posted to just get the fun clicks. Like, this is my highlight reel. Look at me doing all this stuff. But this is just not who I am at all. But to a thousand people that follow me, this is exactly who I am, especially if they don't know me. Yeah, that's so strange. So I'm really at a crossroads. Like, do I just take everything down and just start posting some weird abstract stuff? Like, what, <laughs> like, what do I do with this weird machine? I have no idea how to use it. Well, here's the thing, man, is you are, with that sentence, you're kind of, it almost seems like you're like fighting against something that's that's like you don't have to fight against. It's like... You don't have your Instagram doesn't have to represent exactly who you are in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, like thinking it ever did, that was our problem. That like I, I was looking at uh, my my Instagram for example when it, when Instagram first came around, it was it just had the coolest filters and filters at the very beginning where it's like they just weren't around. Um, I remember I had Instagram. My first few photos I think were. Uh, like me taking for Facebook, I wanted to post them on Facebook, but I wanted a cool filter. So I used Instagram, posted there, and then copied and posted to Facebook. So that's what the start of Instagram was. And I wanna say that I, I looked the other day and I have like 669 posts. Like I've never deleted posts. Nice. And I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I wonder if I should do, because I've noticed over the last couple of years, what people are doing, artists especially, is they're deleting everything except for like four main posts. And it's cool. It's artistic, and I get it because it's kind of like your artistic board a lot of the times for Instagram. But it's also kind of like, man, are we doing that because we're under the impression that that people are going to your page to get the whole you at once? Because that's not ever going to happen. That's you know, like you could look through all all six hundred and sixty nine posts, and you're not going to understand who I am at all. You're going to know some things that I went been through, and some things that I wore a mask through, some things that I really went through. Um, maybe some of my friends, but there's so much more in depth about me or about anybody than just their social media, right? Yeah. Well, what the fuck is this thing for, anyways? Like, why do we even use this? Like, we haven't figured that out. We're just yeah. doing it because it's cool. We haven't been like, oh yeah, we're just really we're drinking a lot of beer. We haven't realized that. Like, why are we drinking beer? Yeah. You know? Like, why? Why am I using this? And every time, I mean, you're not even you that you were five seconds ago. So every like all these pictures are someone that is not. I mean, it's quite literally not me anymore. Yeah. So it can never be an accurate representation of who you are, and I don't really know what to do with it. So what is it really? Like like what? Not what do we want it to be? What is it? Like as it stands right now, what is it? For Instagram, for a while, okay, I probably have a hundred posts. Probably the first seventy-five is just like a hey, look at me. Look at me doing the thing. Mm-hmm. I want to be the guy with the nice car, the big muscles. But again, muscles. You, but you weren't aware that you were doing these things, though. It's not like, and it's not like you were like, oh, I totally sucked, and I was just like posting pictures of my bicep, and like I really just wanted attention. It's like it's just the nature of, of ego and the nature of human being. And, and then I started, I started telling myself, I'm not posting here for anyone but myself. It's just to, um, it's just to catalog things. That's kind of bullshit, too, because if I just wanted to catalog stuff, I would leave them in my photos. So this whole thing is just a, hey, look at me, I want clicks in general. And I don't think there's really a way you can escape that unless you're on there to help people. So I don't really know what the tool, like what I would use it for at this point. Well, I, 
don't know. It's hard because I've noticed, um, have, have I told you about like what I've been doing? Like I'm back on social media and I'm kind of like, it's like a little experiment for me. I'll tell you about the last time. trail run. Yeah. I've like, this may not make much sense to, to some people, but like taking a year off from social media, I, I mean, I'm, I would say I pretty thoroughly broke like my addictive qualities towards it. Um, and I was like super into my phone. I just loved Instagram and shit. Uh, but like now that I'm back on it for the release of the podcast, like I'm going to be on it through December or whatever. I've been kind of like letting myself pick up my phone whenever and pull it out whenever. And I just find myself just like I'm refreshed. I post something and five minutes later I pull my phone and I refresh, see if I got any likes and all these things. And it, and it makes me stop. I'm like, what the fuck? Like why, you know, I, I claim to be doing this podcast because it means so much to me. Why am I refreshing this post? And I'm like, oh yeah, because like, you know, as human beings, we have addictive dopamine tendencies and we have certain ways of getting things. And, and the cell phone is a shortcut to get a lot of those things really fast. And our brains are like, I trained my brain that way real hardcore for many years. So it's just funny to like kind of let myself rip, so to say, mm-hmm. and watch that I'm just like this dopamine, social media hungry, just like trying to consume more already. I, th- I think that everybody needs to be more aware of what your phone is doing to you and then just say like wait why am i doing any of this why why what is it yeah and when people delete posts because they didn't get enough likes that's something that's like that you know really think about that like it that's something that that's rough that's that's you shouldn't feel that way about yourself like if you feel that way about yourself i want you to like not feel bad about that but think about it just just think like man that's something that you know, say a young kid or like a, a young, like naive kind of mind would do it. Like, well, well, there's a part of that that still runs a lot of our life and a lot of us. So you're a 30 old man and you posted a post and only got five likes in an hour and you hate that. So you deleted it. Well, that's not something that like the real you, a real 30 old man would really like actually care about. Right. Like really think about that. That's that's a younger part of you. That's something that you think that you're not getting in another area of your life. In your mind, your intelligence sees this shortcut, this way to get it. And it's doing that. So just take a step and see that it's doing this. It's funny because you probably don't give a shit about what the people that do like it think about you at a face value. Like if you were to meet one of these people you barely know, like you actually don't care about yeah. their opinion at all about how they think about you because they don't even really talk to know them all the time. You. Yeah, and that's funny because people have internet friends that they don't talk to in real life. Ooh, we were kind of like that for a while. I'd see you at the gym, and I'm like, we talk all the time on Instagram, and I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Like, we definitely know uh-huh. each other for sure, but uh, we can't communicate well, at all. Well, so that's something that, like, and but we can have out loud conversation because that's something, again, that's another thing with social media. It's never been addressed. Are these your real friends? Are these your, like, whatever? And a lot of times it's not, but a lot of times it's just, like, so you and I, this is something, that, like, we don't have a word for this, but I, like, we get along very well. I very much enjoy your company. I very much enjoy talking to you on Instagram. But for me, going to the gym was a very huge, difficult mental task for me. It was hard. Sometimes I would get self-conscious talking to people. Sometimes it would unlock, it would pull me out of my like mental focus. So as much as I know people and want to talk to them, that doesn't mean that I could always be who I need to be at the gym. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing is a lot of times people... that's a new thing. I I don't know like what, what to even put words on that. Like, so that's something where I can't show up and be the Jake Ryan's that you see on social media, the Jake Ryan's that like you've known most of the time. I couldn't be him when I was at the gym. Right. But you know now, and you knew probably even then, honestly, but that like, it doesn't mean that I don't actually care about you. Mm -hmm. And it means that I actually, 
only want you on social media for likes or something. It's just something that's weird that that uh, none of us we're, we're kind of assuming that these things mean this when you do this on social media, but we're not taking a look at like what what your craziness that's that doesn't make any sense, you know. I uh, we had a very odd relationship before we became really close. You and I? Yeah, it was we very did? weird. Oh man, I don't Okay, well, what do we got? So we just have a, like a lot of very like all our close friends like your close friends are my close friends, but we never actually really connected, like until oh, probably like a year ago. Yeah. And I was like, we'd I'd be at your house, and it was always like we are both, we're both attracted to being just the, the guy, and there can't be two guys. And I always felt like a, not like a weird friction, but it was always odd. It was just like an always odd what? interaction. That's crazy. I. I it's crazy to me because I didn't feel that even 1%. Really? Like I was so unaware of that. I had no idea. I was literally just probably thinking about myself that 100% of that time. Like I was probably th- like trying to do my performance. I was trying to be such an outward chameleon that, uh, and that's the thing too, is like a lot of people, um, like when I talk about being an introverted person, a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? You're like one of the most extroverted people ever. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, and you, you know that now but um man it's so interesting we just assume that the other person is like maybe feeling the same thing and there's some sort of like not tension but yeah it was very interesting because i i felt like you couldn't be you with me and i couldn't be me with you and it was like this weird it's like you're like the ultimate showman Uh, like like just like the guy you're just being the guy right now and it was just it was very odd it was very odd because we have gotten we just, I am so used to just really connecting with people, especially if I already have friends with them. Right. And there was always like this weird distance between you and I. Maybe it it's like the like, masks get in the way. Like yeah. it's like, I'm so busy doing, I, I'm so busy being the chameleon for the 16 people around me. I can't be Jake Ryan's mm-hmm. to actually have a good combo with Spencer a lot of the times. You think it's maybe like that? I don't know. It was just always odd. Huh. This is weird. Yeah. It was very interesting. Well, it's crazy that like two people can remain in the same, you know, in the same, I guess, position situation but be having vastly different like i, n- I never even thought like okay here's another alpha male and and my alpha is bumping up against his like it was never any sort of uh i don't know we're, we're so wrapped up in our own heads a lot of the times mm-hmm. that it's that it's interesting huh. oh. um spencer you know what i do want to talk about mm. dungeons and dragons Okay. Uh, I, I would like to, I mean, we could do you know, we could have a whole longer episode one of these days about this, but can you give me, so one thing that I feel pretty strongly about is, um, it, it's kind of popular for girls to jokingly make fun of. This is a broad statement, this damn chair, I swear I'm going to throw it out the door. Uh, girls to make a broad statement about like, let's say the, like, oh, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you're nerdy or, oh, if you play video games, like, oh, you're, you're a grown man, like whatever, whatever. Um, I, my, my opinions are whatever it is that you like, whether that's like playing the flute with your toes, um, or if it's dying all your white shirts blue every Friday, like whatever you love to do, um, especially if it's by yourself, I really am a fan for people doing things. Um, that's like, um, out that rips them out of like their friend group into a different friend group, you know. Um, I, I think that it's important to like see things as not 
just like, oh, that's what a nerd does because we accidentally make fun of them. So I, I think we, we can humanize our interests when we learn about them. That's what I'm trying to not ramble on about. We can humanize our interests when we learn about them. So Spencer, will you, tease, will you please teach me a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons? Do you want me to tell you why it's awesome or do you want me to tell what it is? Start with why it's awesome. Okay. So I think it's incredibly awesome because you get to sit around with all your best. So, okay. Let's say you wrote a book, but you don't know how any of it resolves. Okay. So a little preface there. The way it works is you have a group of people that are the players and then one dude that plays everyone like every character in the world makes the world writes the story or sets up all the things and then you guys kind of collaboratively improv go through all this together and kind of have like an oral collaborative storytelling moment it just allows people to okay you make a character in a world where you can deal with highly sensitive issues or like really tense things in a very safe bubble through the lens of someone else so you write this really deep character, and you get to deal with really, really hard problems that are really real, but you can never touch them in real life because they're they're just dangerous. You're ever in any of these situations, it's like a life or death. Could kind you of give thing. a short example of maybe one of these situations? Okay, so like if you are playing in a game and you're in a like political discourse, and you're like dealing with the fate of nations, or you're like trying to help these townspeople, like this is a very dire. This is a dire moment that requires a lot of empathy for these people and you're like considering other sides. But if you're really in this, it's really a big problem in real life because something's going really bad. And you have to look at this through someone else's eyes that you have created with all their flaws. So now you get a look at a world through someone else's eyes that's really torn up. And that teaches you a great amount of empathy. And then you get to tell the story with your friends and it's this big bonding experience. It's actually, I would trade it for any form of media forever for the rest of my life. Amazing. Yes, it's very excellent for introverts too because if you're really locked up with who you are, you get to like go to this fantasy world. You get to be a different person and then you get to like hang out with your friends and interact right. and be very boisterous. You just get to play someone other than you for a while. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, is a lot of times we have to make these masks that we have to be in public, but we get to make a mask that we enjoy now, right? Mm-hmm. So that, it, it is super important. Yeah, I encourage, I, I think, I always think like young kids, um, there's a lot to be taught. Like it's probably, it seems like a very intricate game, but I think if they started like diving into that world. Um, so Dungeons and Dragons, it's it's a, a board game. I mean, that's a terrible it's a tabletop game. Tabletop. Oh, right. Yeah. Jeez, which is the, kind of the same thing, but it's it's a theater of the mind, so mm-hmm. I describe the setting. I'm the game master. That's a dude that okay. plays everyone. The narrator, the kind of? Essentially. Okay. So they walk into a bar. I'm like, okay, well, there's a there's a dwarf bartender. She's female. She's got orange hair, like very, very cunning looks. There's a man in a black trench coat in the back, uh, brandishing an elvish dagger. He uh, is very nervous, like scouring the room. Looks like he's up to no good. There's a bar fight in the left corner, and I just paint this picture, and then I say, okay, what would you like to do? And then the characters decide what they want to do, and you just have this back and forth. But when you... It does take a lot of trust in each other and writing ability. I mean, at first, you're just not good at writing characters, so it's not as enthralling. But once you learn the intricacies of all these things like writing a deep character with many flaws and you get to play through this world it's really fun and i would say it's the most engaging thing that i do and i would give it up for nothing and it's something that i will always do forever and i really highly recommend everyone try it at least once especially if you like video games like it is such a violently personal experience that you could have with your friends Mm -hmm. and no one else is ever going to have that too and all these rules that are set up in this book, you just don't have to abide by them. Like, if this is cooler for me to just not allow, like, just allow this to happen. Like, this is f- make pretend land, and we're just hanging out and telling the story. 
like oral storytelling is such an important part of tradition and almost all cultures except for it's gone because we have the internet mm-hmm. when are you going to sit down and now if you're on if you're at a podium or around a campfire you're probably a jackass Yes, maybe a little bit. Storytelling, it's important. But it's just a beautiful experience, and I will do it with my kids because it's just opened me up to so many really amazing people and amazing things, and it's just allowed me to have such a strong bond with, like, my close friends that I do it with. Yeah. Like, in these, you just get so, you become the person that you're playing, and you just get so enveloped in the story. It's just, it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's so satisfying to do. Dude, it sounds so fun. I feel like it's, it's you, because... Again, it's people judging it off not really knowing. I mean, me personally, before, before like, uh, I mean, because Tyler's been into it for quite a while too. Before he had ever like mentioned it to me, I didn't really have any opinions about it. But in the back of my mind, I did think I knew that it was like, oh, it's just like some board game that that like um, your typical nerdy guy would play. Yeah, it's for neckbeards that don't have girlfriends sitting in their mom's basement drinking Mountain Dew. Right. And they just go roll dice and kill dragons. Isn't but- it so funny that we have these? We don't even mean to, but we have these these postures toward these postures towards things before we even ever interact with them. It's it's so silly, but I think that man, that sounds like just think about that without the name, not knowing anything, but even if you don't really like dragons, the situation you just said, like. That is the coolest idea for a game ever. Okay, so you make up your own situation. You walk into a bar and here's these things that are happening. Now what? Like the possibilities there are endless. The excitement that I feel, even as you were just telling me, I just want to be a part of that. So can we just make the rest of this podcast Dungeons and Dragons? What's our situation? Oh, damn. I'm going to need a lot more <laughs> Just than <kidding>. that. <laughs> Give me a world to work in. I made but a so, whole world, too, though. So so do you um, have, like, re-existing characters? Like, so, so when your friends play with you, do you have a... a a name that you they just do. Go they by? play a static character for the entire thing. They play oh, one so person. Cool. We've probably played for 120 hours, and they've like I've just depending on their backstories, what their flaws are, and like. So you know their characters more over time too. Yeah, so do they, and you slowly get to know this. Oh, person and that and, curates the story even and better. You just develop nuance, and everyone flows together. And if you write your backstories to like line up, and then everyone's got and you got interpersonal problems, but then you also have like world problems, mm-hmm. and it's this insane simulation of a fantasy world that is actually deals with a lot of real life philosophical points, and you get to work through maybe your own trauma. One of my favorite things to do is play characters as close to my chest as I physically can, and I get to, yeah. I get to deal with all my own problems and wrongs in this fantasy world where nothing bad's going to happen it's just it's such an amazing like and it's so good for your brain too like the so i basically 70 percent of the time i'm improving so they're they can just do whatever they want so if i put them in a town they're like hey we're going to go town we're going to go up to the next town and we're going to do this thing i'm like okay i didn't prep for that so now i have to improv for four hours about okay well what's in that room then you got to figure out what's in that room so the amount of like mental flexing i have to do Right. So improv is is a pretty important tool. I grew up um, um, acting. I grew up, I loved the stage. So improv is not a foreign thing to me. Um, I I think understanding improv, I always think of, have you watched The Office? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, do you ever see Michael Scott when his improv, he just like ruins, he just train wrecks every situation. He's like, and I have a gun and now it's just different. Mm-hmm. Like that's another thing, like problem solving that you learn from games like that. Because so your people can't just be like, and I, I threw a smoke grenade into the bar and everybody had to leave. Because eh, that just derails well, the whole thing, right? You can, but what's the social repercussions? Okay, now you killed a bunch of people in a town. Now the guards are after you and now you got to deal with this. Hey, would your character do that? You're yeah. a, you're He's a, like, who gets his value? Yeah, you're a good nature character. Would you really kill these people? Like, if yeah. you actually write a character and you abide by it, it will it will just tell you how to act. Can we just say that um, real life is exactly like this? 
Yeah, it's a simulation of real life. Yeah, it's, it's just like a beautiful. big ass simulation of real life, and you actually will learn a you lot about yourself. You can choose your adventure here, you guys. You can choose your adventure. I, I'm, this is, I'm in a, the cool, I'm in a studio in my home, and I'm talking to like one of my very good friends on microphones that I know about, and I purchased them. And like when I was a little kid, I was just like, I, I like music, and like you can choose your adventure. Your adventure could be like. Music makes me happy, or, or a paintbrush makes me happy, or car hearts make me happy, or being in the woods, make, whatever it is, man. Just use Smurf shirts make me so fucking happy. Size large Smurf shirts. I just want to spend the rest of my life with them. And you just point at that, and they're going to open a bunch of other doors. I was like, music that opens all these other doors. So, um, so something to do. Um, I- improv is a huge thing, obviously, with 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 D and D. Most of it, I would say, it's an eighty percent of what happens. If you actually were like a like a thespian, we really should do this together because you would really enjoy it. What's a thespian? Is find a uh, theater person. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, can you also define um, improv? Like, make sure um, that that's well. It's the it's yes and. So it's like you, okay, you're in a dark room and there's a light switch. And then you're like, okay, well, I go flip it. And then you slowly just work off this thing that's you, you're just bouncing off each other. Mm-hmm. So, can you give an example of someone who would potentially, like, let's say, quote unquote, ruin that bar situation you were just talking about? Like, like how could they come in as like a train wreck who doesn't understand like the rules of what's going on and they just kind of halt you guys? Oh, like, like, is, is that possible? Like a happen? player? Yeah, yeah. Um, like like say, say uh, what I'm what I'm hinting at is kind of like a social unawareness, right? Like you're you're trying to be yourself so much, you're trying to be the funny guy that you just kind of ruin this game that everyone's. There's playing. this thing called being a murder hobo. That's just what it's called. It's epic. And so, like usually, if you're telling a big narrative, you want to have a pretty congruent worldview, and your characters want to be deep, and they just like don't fly off the rails, and like so, like okay, if you're playing Grand Theft Auto, you just go kill everyone. That's what being a murder hobo is. Like, you're just, like, just causing mayhem for no apparent reason, and it doesn't go... Like, your character has no point. You're just killing stuff and poking the world. Uh-huh. That Nobody de- else can play with you in that game either. Yeah, that derails stuff, because you just aren't abiding to a story. We're not telling a story. We're just rolling dice and killing stuff, and that's not the fun part. If you want to do that, just play games, like video games. Mm-hmm. That will derail it. Because it's just you're just not abiding by our social contract that we're about to tell the story. You're just going to go kill stuff and grab mm-hmm. loot. Yeah, you, dude, you have to have rules for games to exist. I mean, if you... Like football, even you, you, if there was no rules in football, like okay, you just score a touchdown, but you just keep running and you go home with the football because it's mine now, mm-hmm. and nobody else gets to play anymore. Yeah, you, know, you, I, you have to have rules. I will say though, if you can get everyone together to tell this story and they all agree on some stuff, you can just like really fly off the rails if you follow in that. Like, there's a very, bet, very large section of what is okay culturally in this setting. Yeah, and I will say that. If you don't have a creative outlet, start to do creative writing. Do it. Like, read a sci-fi book, read a fantasy book, read a true crime, see what you like. Like, study themes, go enjoy stuff. I was mm-hmm. always told myself I was this rational being, and i just not an artsy guy at all. I mean, I learned how to play guitar pretty easily, but not to any real yeah. proficiency. But when I started doing this, and, like, really, really writing, like, a lot... Just four, like, five people that we sit down at the table at and then watching them really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Like, this has been one of the most rewarding, beautiful things I've ever done. And it's made me flex my creative brain to such a high degree. And I really think those people that tell themselves that they aren't creative are just lying to themselves. And Mm -hmm. it really can be. And it's such an excellent way to express yourself. And it feels so incredibly good. 
I, I agree, dude. I always say it's like a, a feedback loop for Shaylee. If she says anything like, I'm not creative, I'm like, hey, babe, will you uh, like sketch this out for me? Or will you draw this? Or like, what do you think? Or something. Or she's like, I don't know. I can't visualize that. I'm creative. I'll show her a song. And she's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, you, she, she says that she's not creative, but I'm always just like, you're wrong. Yeah, yes and. you got to believe in yes yourself. And. you just got to allow yourself to let go. Just yep. letting go of the words that you say that you are like, oh, I'm not creative. <laughs> Bullshit. Go do it. Yeah. It's, it's a, a human a human ability is is to be creative. It's, mm-hmm. it's a thing that you get to do. Yeah, you get to synthesize things, your ideas. You get to put them all together in a very specific way that no one else could have, and that is definitely art. And I don't care if only one person likes it. The beauty about D&D is I get to value my own ideas, and only four people have to think it's cool. It's only four people. It's just for these four people. That's, yeah. That's fucking awesome. And it feels so... It just feels great. It's one of the most uh, rewarding experiences I've ever had, and I really think that people should try it. There's a bunch of other games that are like more real-life setting, too. Like It's not like this yeah, is a under massive that genre of games that... Yeah, so so that so that's the world of of course Dungeons and Dragons, but that's so so tabletop game. Do you think a lot of them kind of have have a little bit sort of the same? Yeah, you got like sci-fi games, you got like vampire games, you got games that are just all about romance. Like I really and I don't want females to think that this is just a dude thing. Like this is an awesome thing that you should mm-hmm. get your girlfriends together and do and just like hang out and you yeah. can just test all these things. It's like a very excellent yeah. thing to do. Um, so one thing with uh, we were texting earlier this morning about it. Um, the improv reminded me of it. I think I was telling you this morning about um, running a bit of a um, uh, like a Saturday Night Live thing. Did I tell you about that? Um, in high school, I ran a. I didn't run it. I was in a Saturday Night Live thing. Um, Essentially, we, we were shut down halfway through because someone in the crowd was offended at something that we specifically had done. Oh, that's what you're trying to tell me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I didn't want to say it all in text. But um, so so what had happened when I was in high school, um, we had just like the coolest, had been in drama classes and acting and, and all that. And our drama class turned into this like lenient, super cool, awesome thing. Like uh, we, we were pretty self-sufficient with our own stuff. Um, so we basically made for like a senior night a saturday night live thing to where it's in between like some other performances of of art of um like the choir and stuff like that we would go out and we would take the stage for 10 minutes in between and kind of mix it up but um so we had like individual funny skits we ended up doing one and this was way back when like this may seem like absurd now but way back when when i was in high school this is 2010 and we did a skit where something about the swine flu this is how far along it was this is this everybody was freaking out about swine flu our joke was like maybe everyone's taking the swine flu a little too seriously and we had like a fake like death on stage like a a fake gun like fake again like please put yourself back in 2010 like this wasn't way different but what happened was someone in the audience had recently had someone in their life that committed suicide and so she, she, I don't know, she didn't like stand up and point her finger, you know, but she like knew, happened to know someone who was in charge. She came and said like, this is not okay, blah, blah, blah. And that person who, who she came up to, obviously like, we don't know what to do with these situations apparently. So we got shut down. Like literally they're like, I'm sorry, you guys can't go on. We're like, what are you talking about? We haven't even done half of our skits. We've been working on this for, for four months. What are you, what are you saying? And we literally had to like leave. Like we, we were done. Like we weren't allowed to finish it because our skit on stage out of all like the you know whoever the whatever amount of people were in the crowd that person was offended so um i forget exactly what the pinpoint that with the cornerstone of our conversation this morning but it was in regards to that the crowd so the question is is this person's one feeling valid enough 
to ruin everybody else's viewing experience. Like, are you, as a person, allowed to just say, I think this is wrong and I want to shut down? Or should you just say, hey, I'm personally not comfortable with this. I'm going to leave. Yes. Like, is that... Because this is a... That's a valid opinion to have. Mm -hmm. Like, that is... Like, I do my best to never say, like, oh, I'm going to kill myself. Or, like, this makes me want to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Especially when I'm around mixed company because I don't know, like, what that's going to trigger. Yeah, but you're going to end up tiptoeing around a lot of people if if you're following that same suit in your whole life. Yeah, but, like, where's the line? Like, how much am I supposed to dance around other people's... Like right. internal problems and in, in speech because you can't just like walk around in the world like it's just there's eggshells everywhere. Yeah. But you also need to be considerate about others. Like I do think that that lady was probably in the wrong. I mean, good intentions. Understand mm-hmm. it. I mean, she was. She assuredly she's in pain. Someone next to her just took their own life, and she it hurts her enough to like. I'd be like, I need to escape this pain that I'm that's starting to come up so bad that I need to go tattle or or not tattle, but but tell someone. I mean, that's a pretty intense feeling that she's feeling, right? Yeah, but should she have just left and yes. said, hey, I, I don't think this is good, so I'm going to leave. I'm not going to grace this area with mm-hmm. my presence. Or, Yeah, I think this, this standing up for what you believe in is being thrown into like situations like that, which is just like, hey, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> tragedies happen. Like this is, of course, again, this is talking about this right now is just like there's a lot of weird ironies because like I, I was going to kill myself and like all these weird now with society, uh, you know, things are way more offensive, but it's kind of what I just want to address. Like even that whole thing, like, I just think we can't continue. This was in 2010. Um, and these are the kind of things that happen hardcore now, right? It seems like anyway, it seems like the person who is in the crowd um, gets this like stand up for what you believe in confused with um, I'm an audience, you know, when you're an audience member, you, you be an audience member. You don't shout at the person on the stage. You don't have an interjection with the person on the stage. You you leave it. You don't try to shut it down. You, it's. I mean, just where's the line is always the question. Yeah. Like, how much are we supposed to pander to people when they're, quote, offended? I really do take into consideration everyone's feelings when they're offended about something because I'm sure it's very valid. But the problem is a lot of people are offended in bad faith just because they don't like the person that is offending them. So they're going to go, mm-hmm. they're going to say whatever they need to say to get this person away from them or not speaking anymore. Like, do we completely alter society because some people are offended? I mean, this is a very, it's a very sensitive topic and it's also very, there's a lot of nuance mm-hmm. in every single. In so many different corners. Yeah, every, every situation deserves its own consideration. But when do we just make being offended a personal problem and when is it a societal problem because sometimes being offended is kind of a your problem if your sensibility is very sensitive and you mm-hmm. it's your personal duty to stay away from things that offend you but something should offend you no matter who you are and definitely need to be changed like slavery and shit like that right or like racism yeah, there's certain things where you totally should stand up for but i just think that we are efforts would be better focused if we reserved all our outrage for things that are extremely important and not in minutiae because we get mm-hmm. lost in being really upset about a lot of really small things that definitely do matter but on a overall level like if we if people that are more sensitive or chronically offended would just focus their efforts to some really big things they'd probably get a lot further Mm-hmm. Because the regular average person that knows nothing about 
these small details of society and life and they just are not empathetic to this person will just think they're being a whiny little baby and then not take anything they say seriously right yeah we have to have empathy but but we have to have again you know self-awareness of, of our own self in that situation like this situation is is a lot bigger than me um these this situation my my past my recent history of my personal life doesn't really have anything to do with this situation. I'm an attendee in my job in this crowd is is as an attendee. So whatever like stretch whatever that stretches out, you know, like this is a theater analogy here, but whatever the expansion of that may be. Life's so weird, Jake. It's so weird, dude. I don't get it. I just what's the, what's the I don't know, you know, we're, we're just trying to figure out the point of it all, right? Like, we don't, we, without knowing an answer, again, like, we, we just, accepting that I may not know an answer, but I think I have found life in just knowing that it's weird and exploring the weirdness of it. Yeah, and there is no answer, and that's kind of the fun part. It's uh-huh. It seems extremely daunting, but that's the beauty in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal belief is that we just, this is just completely meaningless. Everything's an accident. The world is complete chaos that's super frightening but you got to look at it like that's really freeing as well because there's no anchors on you there's no purpose to this you just get to live your truest self Mm -hmm. and then be what you want to be so there's an old greek proverb not proverb but it's a story so uh, i believe sisyphus is one of the greek gods or demigods and he i can't remember if he tricked zeus he tricked one of the other gods and he was forced to roll a boulder up a hill while a vulture ate mm-hmm. his stomach for ever forever and to look at that he was like oh this is a, this is perpetual suffering but this is an allegory for life like you're just always pushing this boulder up this hill like this is a constant struggle but you must see the chaos in this and you must be a smiling sisyphus like you must relish in this. Like this is what you have, so you right. must enjoy it. This is your only option. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, com- complaining is a strange thing. A lot of times, people like you can't just stand there and be like, "Here's what's happened to me. Here's what life is." Uh, okay, like you're still living it though. So I'm gonna go over here because you're kind of grumpy. Yeah, being a being a victim only hurts you to some degree. Yeah, like people are rightfully i mean if you are literally a victim of something you're rightfully a victim but mm-hmm. you choose whether to continue on being like that or not mm-hmm. and it's only going to track from your own life if you constantly just refer to these things in your life that have been terrible and you let these anchor you and hold you back and you just constantly feed into this this is just like yeah. very low ego like bullshit that goes on mm-hmm. and people just use it to stay comfortable like if they can just com- just justify all their bad actions and all their misplays in life because of this one thing that happened to them mm-hmm. they their start, story they're just never going to grow like if you never break the chains of that you're never going to yeah. you're never going to feel content or happy you're just going to live in this perpetual cycle of bullshit and blame and once you what i've come to realize that all my problems are my fault ultimately mm-hmm. they really are mm-hmm. and if they weren't put there by me they still are my problem and yeah, I must you're the only one who could solve them or not solve them yes I, and not solving them is, is pointless like i am the curator of my own life yeah. and to put my problems on other people is just unreasonable and not helpful and i will mm-hmm. never get anywhere because of it so i think spending time um you know granted like just conversation and gossip is, is is an existing thing but spending time pointing out other people's problems to no prevail too is like I, th- I think that's a lot of passing the time that's a lot of what news does too again is is 
is it presents other people's problems so you have something to talk about with other people who also have watched those problems. I mean, why not talk about your problems and be like, hey, man, what would you do for this problem? And you can try that, and then you can make your life better. Like, don't just stay stag. And, you know, a, a victim, when, you, when you're in the victim mindset, um, it, it sucks that that word has, like, it sparks offendedness, and it sparks, like, I mean, offensiveness and, and victim, those are both words that have been, like, catapulted and stolen by political whatever. But but when you're in the seat of the victim, you you don't see your own bullshit. Like, like, in order to get better, you have to stop being a victim. It's kind of like, oh, okay, so so a victim, you know, the twelve step program, like the for um, like getting sober, so, sober. The first step they always say, well, we heard in the movies, like admitting that you have a problem. Well, the step right before admitting you have a problem is victimhood. I don't know that I haven't studied twelve step programs. I could be just like, don't let me like ruin twelve step programs with that. But I'm just saying the the state of being that you're in of like here's what happened to me and I'm never going to get better because of it and blah, blah. So in turn, you're kind of a fucking asshole to the people around you, right? And it's like when when they're like, hey, you got to be nicer to us. And you're like, I can't be nicer because this thing happened. Well, you're in the victim part. And like that's the thing is what happened to you is so valid. You know, a lot of the times these people have gone through traumatic experiences. But when you're stuck in, in the victim spot, you can't move. You can't be budged. You're like, well, you, you would do it too. Or, or of course I'm like this because this happened. And it's like, no, you are like this because that's happened. But you need to understand that the only person who could change it now is you. You know, when, when you're in the seat of the victim, you can't change and improve and move forward. You have to realize that you've been a victim and that, you know, with, with me, with the depression thing, it was like, it, it wasn't, it doesn't have to be self-imposed to make, you know, I, I finally realized that I was the one keeping myself in depression, thinking that I needed to suffer, thinking that um, this is just how it is, thinking that every single thought that came up out of thin air was just me and that's who I am and all these like evil thoughts and bad thoughts are just me and the self-hate thoughts are just the only thoughts that I'm capable of having. But you got to grow out of that victim thing, man. It, it'll, it'll, it'll keep you down. It's, it's just not safe. Well, people living it their whole lives too. Yeah. I mean, you, you can make a whole personality out of it. How does that even happen? That's... People just get beaten down by the world and the pressure of life and you just fall into this perpetual victimhood and you just go to work some other time, come home, watch TV, eat, and be sad. And dude, fuck that. 100%, yeah, fuck that. Absolutely fuck that. that Don't is be miserable. sad. And then your suffering is also pushed onto other people mm-hmm. and I would say that that's not ethical. Right. Like as a person that I hope cares about other people, you would want to reduce the suffering of others. And if you are internally suffering and then... In turn, other people are suffering because of it. You're now way more of a problem than mm-hmm. you thought you were, and that's and don't be upset about that. But it's just something like, hey, I'm suffering. I'm making other people suffer, and yeah. I would like this to not happen anymore. Yeah, you don't want that, dude. You don't want to like, you know, you don't want to be mean to the people around you. Like if if you if you're if things are causing you to be mean to the people around you, just I mean, listen. I don't have to know you. Whatever listener, if you're being an asshole to the people around you, you don't want to do that. I don't have to know you at all to know that you don't want to be doing that, dude. You want to be happy, right? Like, like if you're being mean and you're being like, in, or your anger, or um, you're lashing out at people, if you don't know how to handle situations, you're screwing people. Whatever it is that you're going through, because you're in the victim mindset, um, or if you're you're stuck in it, these things that happen to you that you haven't dealt with, it's like you 
what's happening is is your intelligence is, is sabotaging your life you know like you're you're turning against yourself and and just knowing like just saying that to yourself like oh crap okay i'm doing that thing i don't want to be here though and that's all it takes from there you just you can start healing you can start changing and start not being the victim and start okay let's see see what i can change and let's be let's be aware of my actions my the person that i am when i show up to to the people around me my family whatever so Probably, I think it was about two years ago, I had a very traumatic experience that I would rather not have documented. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to actually talk about the mm-hmm. any of it, but it left me with crippling anxiety and depression, and I had never felt either of those things ever. And they uh, left me with like a lot of like weird body sensations, so I became a hypochondriac, and I just was this perpetual victim for probably six months, and I completely suffered. And I'd never, until my outlook and view changed on life, and I decided that... If I saw that what was happening and decided to just not be like that anymore, mm-hmm. it just was never going to change. So mm-hmm. you can control only yourself, and it is only detracting from your own life to stay like this. And I really encourage people to not be so beaten up, beaten down by life, rather, and maybe just take the steps to not be that way. It will only help you, and what hurts you the most is just remaining this stagnant pool of sadness and depression. Mm-hmm. It's just, it feels like you're drowning, and I, I know that personally, but there is there is air above that if you just allow yeah. yourself to rel- relinquish some of these things. Yeah, dude, the, the air, the, the, oh, God. The air after victimhood and depression and the the colors after all that, the beauty of the world that's returned to you when you have a, a such a, a change of perspective of like, oh, okay, I can help myself. I mean, that's the thing that... that I want to be clear and, and I want to like overly explain to people is that like you can't you can't remain in the victim place and, and get better with, with whatever you're going through. I want to go back to what you just said that there was you know six months of your life where, where you had a lot of anxiety and stuff too. You were in, in the victim mentality. Um, the word victim again like I said is it's just confusing nowadays. It's it's something that when you say like, oh, you're being the victim, it feels like it's like, oh, that's offensive that you just said that you don't understand all these things. It's, so can you give me an example of kind of like maybe a victimhood? Like like what's a, a conversation that you and I maybe would have had um, in within those six months um, if I was like trying to say like, hey, you can get better by doing this. What would your reaction be as a victim? Well, I thought so anxiety left me with like like a lot of bodily tingles and like a lot of chest pain and whatnot and i was really convinced that i was just dying mm-hmm. just because i'm like oh and i've always told myself like i'm this rational reasonable person like of course i'm not being melodramatic or i'm not taking these things to being ridiculous so telling myself i'm smart and rational made all these feelings more valid oh, and if you would tell right. me that hey like yeah th- you're you're fine i'd be like well i mean i i do know that but i'm not like yeah. you you don't live in my body you don't know what it's like so right but like yeah like you don't understand these feelings and i understand them but really what was happening is you had a misunderstanding of the own your own feelings in your body right and they're all self-perpetuated as well like i did all this to myself like my internal workings is the reason i was here and everyone could see it and even i could see it in my hardest of hearts but the irrational Mm -hmm. because i mean i was kind of just boiled down to like caveman instincts chimp brain just like always in a hyper aroused state just always anxious always in this fight or flight state and your your prefrontal cortex or the front part of your brain that does all your like cognitive thinking like all your real thinking shuts off when you're in fight or flight so it's really hard to reason 
So, and, and it's fucked up because I just know all this stuff when I did then. And it's like, you you can be as rational as you want to, but it's very hard to escape mm-hmm. these things. And until I made a con- like a really conscious effort to like start meditating and enjoying the things and just realizing that this is just the way it, this is the way it is. Like, and I'm just going to enjoy my life. I'm not going to let this beat me because I've seen other people in my life just become completely wilted right. and beaten by things that... I don't think are worthy to be beaten by and I was currently doing that and I'm like I will not accept this for myself I will not live the rest of my life like this and at one point in time I really thought I'm like I'm going to be like this forever it's never going to not be like this and that is the lowest of low that I ever got to just to feel like I'm just this is just my life now and learning to not accept that and to seek out ways to mitigate these things I think it all comes down to mastering the thing between your ears Mm -hmm. like you, Your third eye. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> but actually a little bit. Not. Uh, dude, I, I think that, yeah, th- thanks for sharing that for one. It's it's, it's so, man, because like in, in the middle of it, you don't understand that you can get better. It's you that's got to do it, though. Yeah, you're in the maze. Yeah, you're, you're in the maze. You're deep in the maze. You're like, you tripped up, you got to cut. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think a lot of the, um, like, genetics is always a good thing that, that happens to um, a good a good our intelligence likes saying, well, it's genetics, you know, like if, if your mom had knee problems and your knee starts to kind of hurt a little bit, you're like, oh, no, here it goes. Here we, there's the knee, the knee thing that my family has. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a personal trainer limb and say, don't, don't fucking succumb to bodily pains just because you think that's the way it is. Being in pain is a fail state and you don't have to live like that. So seek out yes. ways to mitigate that. You just don't have to be like that. Just because your parents' knees hurt doesn't mm-hmm. mean your knees have to hurt. Stop putting hard labels on everything that's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like these, mm-hmm. the, all these things can change for the most part, other than like obviously extreme cases. But even in those things, if you come to terms with that, you will find more inner peace. And just like if you have back pain, don't just accept that you have back pain, dude. Like that shit sucks, and you shouldn't have do to do not like that. accept that. I, see, th- that's something that w- we accept. The, the victim mentality allows you to accept what is happening to you. Like this has happened to me. Okay, here's another thing that's happened to me. You don't w- when you get out of that victim mentality. When you want to get out of it, you say, "Here's the thing that happened to me." All right, well, got to work a little bit harder. Oh, okay. Well, th- oh, this this weight is on my shoulder, or well, this weight's on my shoulder. I got to keep doing things though. Dude, just you know, look it's at it like a lesson. Like that's what I started looking at all my problems. Is like this is just a chance to be better than right. I am now. Right. Huh. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll touch more on that. The uh, the old body mind connection is definitely something that I do want to touch on. So on that wonderful note, Spencer, I appreciate you and listeners. If you're listening, wherever you're at, unless you're in a car because you might just die, stretch right now. Whatever you're doing, drop and give me fifty. But don't actually give me 50. Give me 50 seconds of stretching. Just stretch your neck, tuck your chin to your chest, wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers. Something we don't do enough is stretch, and I think that everybody should stretch. So Don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Breathe from your belly and stretch. I love y'all. Spencer loves y'all. Junkyard Love Podcast, out. E.